Wow, good morning, everyone here and online. Glad you're with us and have joined us. Um, we are having communion today. I did switch when it was going to happen today. I just, as I was driving to, to church this morning, I'm like, boy, communion would just work so well in helping us uh, just touch the, the Lord and Him touch us at the end of my message. So that's what we're going to do. And um, uh, the title of the message today is, um, and you will find rest for your souls. And that's communion time. That's what I'm asking the Lord to do, that you will have a, uh, a deeper understanding, a deeper touch of God's rest for your souls. I am um, excited about, you know, several things that are happening, the Open the Wells uh, worship night uh, coming up Friday night. That's going to be tremendous. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, next Sunday when we pray uh, in our neighborhoods, uh, uh, neighborhood schools, uh, the, the Bible says to love your neighbor. Well, we live in this eastern part of Shelby County. And uh, schools, teachers, administrators, students, they need prayer. And uh, Heritage Elementary has kind of become a public school that that uh, we want to consistently try to touch and support them. Uh, the Christian school, we've always had, uh, you know, a, a loving connection there. And so looking forward to that prayer time next Sunday, that we would actually take the love that's in our heart for our neighborhood and put it in action. And we'll be letting those administrators and, and, and those on staff know that, hey, we were on your campus praying for you this past Sunday. So we'll get that note to them. So they know uh, that people were there praying. There's an intensity in our nation. Has been happening now for a good year and a half. It's just ramping up some more. Uh, the schools, particularly this week, uh, you know, had in our state a uh, mandate from the governor to wear masks. And it just brought up again the spirit of division that can happen among us. And I want to say to you as your pastor, I give you freedom to have a strong opinion. I give you freedom to be passionate about your convictions and express those as well. At the same time, I want to say that what's going on in our nation is not going to split the church. Because we have a deeper bond, and that's through Jesus Christ is our Lord, and we do become brothers and sisters for, for life and eternity through Christ. And his salvation is to bring us into a church family in unity. So I want us to be very careful as you express your passions and your convictions to be able to look that believer in the eye and say, I love you more than my, you know, opinion and my passion. I want to continue our friendship, our relationship, our connection. Because it is and true that over the last year and a half, I have found among you and among even within a life group or a prayer bridge group, whatever group it is, there are differences and sometimes very strong differences of opinions on masks, on vaccinations, on uh, racial unity, on uh, the political policies of what happened in, with the election or what's going on in D.C. And there is, there is this spirit of division ready to just pounce on the church and say, well, we're going to be the church of no mask and we're going to be the church of you got to get vaccinated. We're going to be the church of racial unity. And we could have just a, a plethora of denominations just formed right now because of the, the passions that are in us. And again, I am, I am exhorting you to, yes, I give you freedom to express and have your views, but be sure you're able at the same time continue to walk in unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray for that for us and the church at large. Can we do that right now? Lord Jesus, there's so much on right now in our nation, in our community, in our, in our own county, 
in school districts. Lord, there's so much. It's, it's Lord, there's an intense time. Well, Lord, we pray for your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth in Shelby County, Anderson County, Franklin County, Henry County, Louisville, our state, Lord God. Your will be done. Your kingdom come here. And Lord, with that, I know the church is your main instrument of establishing and growing your kingdom. So we, Lord, we pray for a spirit of unity in your church family, in your church houses among believers. We pray, Lord God, against the spirit of division that would break off friendships and ties with other fellow believers. We rebuke that temptation right now. We pray, Lord God, that you give us a growing love and understanding of one another that we can continue to walk in unity more than ever in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that this is the church finest hour, though it's threatened with great uh, temptation. Lord, we, we pray and trust you that this is our finest hour. In your name we pray. Amen. The last couple of chapters that we've been um, focusing on have been intense chapters. Uh, Jesus uh, is teaching us about being a disciple or follower of Christ. And if you're a student of Jesus and get to follow him, you know, how fun, how wonderful. But he said, well, really, the essence of discipleship is, yes, for you to follow me and learn from me, but I'm sending you out. And when I send you out, uh, you're, you're going to be uh, like sheep among wolves. And what? Wolves? I mean, wolves are not good for sheep. You're, you're going to be sent, and there, there could be uh, even persecution, ridicule, even martyrdom as you're sent for me. And so there have been, it's been pretty intense lately in this study of Matthew. And yet, it turns quickly to a whole different tone in Matthew chapter 11, where we're going to, our key verses uh, start at 28. But even last week when we talked about uh, John the Baptist and he was in prison at the time and it's like, oh my goodness, he's our, our leader, the one that prepared the, prepared the way for your coming and your message and he's in prison right now, oh my. And he was described as in, in what's happening uh, in, in that timing and the atmosphere was Matthew eleven twelve from the days of John the Baptist until now. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent men take it by force. And so there's this encouragement to be like John the Baptist's message. He was a straight shooter. He was appointed people uh, to their sin and said, repent from this and turn to God. He was uh, in-your-face kind of ministry and message. And yet, God quickly reveals through his word that he has a way for us to find rest for our souls. Yes, we are to have that warrior spirit, that warrior's heart, to be a soldier in the kingdom. It doesn't matter how tough it gets or, or how uh, violent the atmosphere gets and intense, we uh, can find rest for our souls. So let's look at this scripture, Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. I'm going to read each verse and stop and make a few comments and go on to the next verse. And, and before I do that, let's just pray. Pray for us, the hearers of God's Word. Lord Jesus, we ask that as I read your Word and as we read your Word, that your Holy Spirit will speak to us today. And, I, and you know where I'm at, Lord. You know, I am listening. I'm all ears. This message is for me as much as anyone. And so, Lord, we ask that our ears would hear and our hearts would receive your truths today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus says, come to me, verse 28. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, heavy laden, it's the idea of having burdens placed on us, maybe a lot of little burdens, and it's just a long list, and it's piled up, and it's really heavy, or maybe some just significant uh, traumatic or painful events uh, that have happened that are very sorrowful or very 
hurtful and maybe the, the, the significance of it is weights pressuring us and pulling us down. But Jesus says, come to me. It's an invitation for those who have been in this atmosphere of violence and have been a warrior and battling and it's been tough and it's, it's rough. And yes, he says, come to me. It's an invitation. His arms are open wide. I appreciate, appreciate it so much Chuck Stecker, who was with us in July. And he had an interesting definition explaining the difference between tiredness and weariness. It really stuck out to me. I checked back with him just to get the wording right. And he explains weariness like this. When you are tired, you need rest. But when you're weary, you need restoration. Tired is from the outside in. Weary is from the inside out. Like steel gets weary under stress, meaning it is coming apart from the inside. You don't see it until it comes apart. And this is who Jesus is talking to. He's saying, uh, he's saying, Come to me, all who are weary. You need restoration. It's been heavy. Well, I will give you rest. I have a promise. If you come to me, I have a promise for you. I will give you rest. So that first step is to come to Jesus. His arms are open wide. Let's look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Maybe we weren't sure what Jesus, where he was coming from. He's just sent out the 12 like sheep among wolves. There could, there could be persecution in every generation uh, on the earth. The body of Christ has been persecuted. And even today, there are martyrs for Jesus right now for, for those often in Muslim countries who turn to Jesus. They could be uh, excommunicated from their family and even stoned or put to death. What, what, what kind of leader is this? He sends him out. He's not very kind. No, he's very gentle and humble, he says. I'm gentle. I'm humble. I'm approachable. I have a humble heart. I'm, I'm empathetic. I'm not going to be harsh and, and, and correct you. Man, look at you. You're so weary. You're just running out of steam. You're so discouraged. You shouldn't be that way. Look at Look who you're serving. No, he's not harsh. He's gentle he's humble in heart but he says you you need to learn some things he says come and learn from me folks this is a time of learning if you're dealing with weariness this is time of learning this restoration includes learning and growing i'm just going to break into my message here I, I, this is supposed to come a couple pages later, but I, it's just on my mind right now, so I'm going to go ahead and go there right now. Stephen Riley, back in May of this year, realized I'm weary. That line of tiredness and exhaustion into weariness has started to set in, and I use this phrase, I... I'm starting to, to see signs, the beginning signs of burnout. Now, I have been in ministry 33 years. That's how old I, old I am. And I've never again gotten burned out on life or work or ministry. But three times I started to see the beginnings of burnout. And by God's grace and the help of others, I have... You know, I was revealed that early on. Was able to find the resources and the redirection I needed. And so I share this with you that this message came a little early for me. I'd rather wait another few more months and kind of give you an old story instead of a fresh story. But this is a fresh message for me personally. Here we are in Matthew 11 and 12. And so I want to tell you that I'm so glad 
that Jesus is gentle and humble in heart. That he's empathetic. That he's not, come on, Stephen, you should know better. You're a veteran believer by now. You've had, you, you've dealt with this before and you caught it before. Why did you even let it come up again? I, I haven't heard those words from the heart of God. But I sense that, that his arms were open wide and he says, oh, listen, it's time to learn. It's time to be restored. This is a season, a special season of extra blessings for you right now. So I'll tell you more about how, what led up to these beginning signs of burnout. I'll do that later, but I just want to let you in on, on a little, little where I'm coming from here in the beginning of the message. It's very real for me. He says, take my yoke. You know, we don't see yokes very often anymore. And that day with farming and agriculture, the oxen, and, and I used to see it in Lancaster County out of our window. We lived on a hillside and had Amish, Amish farmers on either side of our neighborhood there. And, and we could look over this valley and see, see many Mennonite and Amish farms. And, and they would, the Amish would use horses and these, these, the big draft kind of horses, mules. But in that day, it was mostly oxen and Bible times. And they all understood this very simple principle that when you yoke an oxen, you, the, the way you pair them up is really important. And you needed a leader oxen who was a good leader. And whenever there was a weaker uh, oxen or one that was young and immature and needed to be taught some things, you'd put it with that wise, more mature, stronger oxen and you'd lock them together and you have that oxen teaching the younger one some things. And that's what Jesus is saying. They got it quickly. He's saying, I'm locking you into me, and you're going to learn some things, and we're going to be side by side. You can't, you can't run away from this yoke. You're tied in. You're locked in. And that's the heart of this message. Jesus invi- gives this invitation. Come to me. I'll give you rest. I'm, I'm going to lock you in. That's part of the invitation to receive from me and learn from me. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, when you're in step with the Lord, he can take the biggest mountains and make them look like little anthills. He can make that yoke that you were trying to, to pull that weight and plow that field and make it happen by yourself and your own strength. When he connects with you, oh yeah, it's a whole different level of strength and energy. The Lord wants to connect us. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He's a strong oxen. He's the one to carry the heavy load for us and teach us. Folks, this gospel is so awesome. We've got it made. What a deal we have. How lucky we are. How could, why would anyone turn this invitation down? This is a promise. You come to me, I'll give you rest. In when Matthew wrote the, these words, they didn't have little verses and chapter uh, numbers. This verses we just read in chapter 11, now we're going to go to chapter 12. You think, okay, we're skipping subjects, I guess, because there's the number 12. Well, actually, and when it was the... the, the Bible was first written, it was just all one book. And modern man put the, the chapters in to help break it up and help find things in the little verse, verse numbers, and I'm glad that we did. But I want to say that it's very clear to me that these next verses in Matthew 12 are connected to what we just read in verses 11, 28 through 30. And there are two stories about Sabbath. And so we need to get into what is Sabbath, where did it come from as a little review, a little reminder, and also kind of catch us up to these stories in Matthew. So we're actually going to go back when we first heard about Sabbath. 
Well, it got started in creation. God himself created more and more and built on each day as he created on the sixth day was animals and humans. And he says, oh, it's very good at the end of the day on the sixth day. And the seventh day, he rested from his work. I mean, how, why does God rest from his work? He doesn't, he, he's all powerful. He doesn't need to do that. But he did it in order to establish a pattern that we need in our life as well. Many Jews do this around the world, and Israel as a nation, they do this. The Sabbath for the Jews is Friday evening sundown. They go from sundown to sundown, and sure enough, things start shutting down Friday late afternoon, and they're scurrying around in the markets to get extra food for that night's special meal, Sabbath celebration meal with friends and family and into the next day because the shops won't be open the next day. So you got to make sure you get enough for the weekend. And if you're there, it is quiet. It is quiet on Saturdays, folks. It's It's an enjoyable Friday evening, the special fellowship around the prayers and the special Shabbat meal. It's very quiet on Saturday. And Saturday night is shops and you know, restaurants and things start open up again. Young people come out and it's hopping, bopping again on Saturday night. And then Sunday is like a Monday. It's a work day again. So they don't have a two-day weekend. You need to be thankful you live in America and you get two days on the weekend. So they still live this principle out. It is mentioned in, in detail in Exodus chapter 20. We're going to look at that. That is the list of the Ten Commandments, and this is the fourth commandment. And it goes like this, Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, and your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So this was very practical in their weekly schedule. It was a method to keep them refreshed, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And we'll talk about some of that practical things for us later. But we also, it represents a Sabbath rest for our hearts and our lives from a deeper place. It's actually a part of our salvation. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, talks about it this way. It's, it's an entering of God's rest. It's, it's we enter a rest of, in peace, the shalom of God, over our hearts and lives through salvation. Let's read these verses. Verse 9. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. There is some kind of tendency in our flesh to start doing works and starting making it happen in our own strength for our own value, for our own worth, and we can say, hey, I did it, I did it. We have to be diligent to enter into that rest. We have to be diligent and say, no, it's by the grace of God, it's by his strength. Even when I'm serving him and getting tired because I'm giving it my best and my all, it's still glory to God, it's still, uh, he gets the credit, it's still under his power and grace. There's a tendency to want to uh, earn our salvation. This is saying that salvation is not earned by your good works. That's one of the kind of discussions uh, I've had, and I'm sure you have as well, with Catholics who feel like you have to go to Mass, and that is how you maintain your salvation, is taking that communion on a regular basis and and 
saying the confessions to the priest. And that's how you have to do these things for salvation. And there are many Catholics that have a, a close relationship with Jesus and receive salvation by faith. But it's just one of those things. But I believe it happens to all of us that we tend to say, I've got to earn his love and acceptance. I've got to do something to get his attention. And we start piling the responsibility on ourselves to earn his love and acceptance. And, and sometimes that can bleed into salvation, sometimes not. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, it's so clear from the Apostle Paul. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. And this really comes against the American kind of typical uh, gospel out there that, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. Yeah, I'm going to go to heaven because, you know, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm not a murderer. I'm not an evil person. I don't try to hurt people. I'm a good person. That is the most popular American salvation understanding and in, in all that's just what the population often says. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian or, you know, I'm, I believe in God and, and, you know, I'm a good person, so I'm going to go to heaven. There's no repentance from sin, turning from yourself, making you Lord of your life and making Jesus Lord of your life. There is not that humility to say, Lord, I need my sins washed away because I, I need your righteousness, not my own. I'm not good enough. It's, it's, really, it's really stinking pride is what it is. I'm good enough. What I do is good enough. What I, you know, I'm much better than the average person. I mean, I'm not, I'm gospel, I do gospel some, not as much as those other girls gospel. Those friends, I'm not, you know, I don't do that stuff like, well, I do a little bit, but not as much as them. I'm above average. I'm much better than most people. And so God definitely, you know, he would let me in heaven. I'm, I'm pretty good, pretty good guy. But praise the Lord, hallelujah. We do not reach heaven and salvation through our life's work. You don't have to have fear of how are you going to make it? Are you going to really get there? Are you going to really have a relationship? You don't have to live by fear and, and apprehension in a life. You can be in a Sabbath rest every day where there's a peace that's Oh, I'm just resting in the Father's arms because I've believed in the work of Christ and I, and, and I want to follow him. I want to obey him. It's his spirit in me now. It's not my own desires that rule me, but the spirit of God I've placed as the, on the throne room of my heart. Oh, praise God. It's, ah, it's by his grace. It's not by his strength. I can rest. I can enter into his rest. Oh, man. People live with an anxiety. Am I good enough? Am I doing enough? Am I working enough? Am I going to make it to heaven? Am I? It's, it's, a, it's an anxiety they live with. You can be free of that. So a few statements I have for today. A Sabbath rest is a blessing to receive by faith for our hearts through eternal salvation in Christ. It's, it's a rest that we believe by faith and, and it, it, it transforms our hearts. Jesus comes in our hearts and he can rule our hearts. And it's an eternal decision. It lasts from now and forever. So our rest begins now. I don't have to work for God's love and acceptance. And he empowers me to follow him and be diligent to uh, obey his word. He empowers me to do that. I don't have to rely on my strength. So let's get now with that foundation to these two stories in uh, the, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12. And what was happening, because I'm not going to read every verse, I'm just going to retell it, is that the disciples were going through a field and it was, it was the Sabbath. And they were picking heads of grain and, and, and squanching them up to get this, this, the uh, outside off. And they were eating them as they were walking by. And those Pharisees who were the religious leaders who were part of the system that 
took this fourth commandment and added many rules and regulations to that fourth commandment to where it actually was hard to rest on the Sabbath. Because there were so many rules to follow and keep track of and don't touch this and you can only go 3,000 steps and you can only this. And so it was so complicated and detailed and it was actually hard to rest on the Sabbath. And I said, even though it was allowed in the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament Scriptures, to eat grain, and particularly if you're poor, you could take grain from the fields, and the owners were going to leave grain in the fields, and, and, make it, and they could take some to eat. And he brings Jesus, says, what are, you, what are you getting on to us about? Haven't you read what David and his men did and... And it's like he's telling the religion, these Pharisees who were experts in the stories of the Bible, haven't you read? Well, he, yes, of course, we've read it a hundred times. What and David it was escaping Saul, and he had his men with them, and he went to uh, the temple, and he said, do you have any bread? Well, it's only the bread that was used in the, the, uh, in the temple for worship, and the leftovers went to the priests and the priests only. He said, this is all we've got. And he said, well... Uh, you know, here we are, we need this bread. And so they gave it to him and David wasn't condemned for it. And Jesus says this to them in verse 7 and 8 of Matthew 12. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So he's saying, listen, the bottom line is that God has compassion. He wants to meet the needs of his people. It's, yes, there is a religious service and ceremony and all that is good, but it's not greater than God's compassion. And Jesus is saying that as he, as he said in Mark chapter 2 as well, that, hey, I'm the Lord. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In Mark chapter 2 it says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That he created and loves man. The Sabbath is to bless man, not to rule over them and, and make it hard on them. So, another statement, the Sabbath rest is a blessing from God to express his compassion toward us. That's what it's designed to do. It's designed to bless people to bless us, and it's a channel of God's compassion. So if we don't honor this weekly practice, this regular practice of Sabbath rest, we are missing out on ways that God wants to express his compassion to us. It's a blessing that we miss out on if we just get too busy and plow on through. Here's another story in chapter 9, uh, excuse me, chapter 12, starting at verse 9. I'll just kind of remind you of the story. It seems like these religious rulers who were trying to trap Jesus in some way to get him arrested, they were so afraid of, of the people following him and how much power he was gaining on them in a sense. And they, out of uh, fear of losing their own power, they, it looks like they, they planted a sick man in the synagogue that had a withered hand. Because here's this guy when the hand is there, and they start asking him this question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Because in those days, uh, they, again, put a lot of rules and regulations. And the only time that you could uh, like practice uh, healing and medicine in those days, according to the religious leaders, if it was a life and death issue. But if it wasn't life and death, then no, you, you've got to wait till the next day to help that person. That was one of the rules they made up, they developed. So they're trying to trap him in this. And he just goes into a, a uh, listen, if your sheep goes off and gets lost and is hurt and lost and, you know, needs help, even on the Sabbath, you go get your sheep. Aren't people more valuable than sheep? And he just shut them down that quick. That's what happens, folks, when you are bent on something in legalism and rules, you can lose your common sense. 
in America and in some states it's getting more dangerous to be in the mother's womb. And yet we have federal laws protecting bald eagles, protecting uh, sea turtle eggs, bald eagle eggs. We have, we, we as a people are so into and protecting animals, which is a good thing, but we protect endangered species and their eggs. And yet we can't see that a human is more valuable than a bald eagle or a sea turtle, some other endangered species in our nation. Folks, we've lost common sense. It's the same argument as, this, as he brought up right there. And so Jesus said, stretch out your hand. Oh, awesome. Healed right there and that arm stretched out and the people, oh. and the religious leaders just get angry. They didn't go, oh, where's the compassion? This is, the Sabbath is to be a blessing to express the compassion. They didn't have compassion. They didn't get excited for this man and his family. no. They said he broke the law. So again, just to remind us, Sabbath rest is a blessing of God to express his compassion toward us. I want to go back to Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, and 30. I want to go into some scriptures about being restored. I just want to read these verses again. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you people to find rest for your soul. And I want to give you some, some tips. There's a lot. You know, I mean, you study this and get online. There's a lot of people written some great stuff on you know, burnout, the signs of burnout, how to restore out of burnout, and it's, it, it's it, it, plenty of information. I'm just going to share a few things from my own life. Because God wants, and here's another statement, the Sabbath rest is a blessing to restore our strength of mind, body, and spirit on a weekly basis. We live in it by faith. We don't have to earn our salvation. We have to earn God's love and acceptance. We're at peace. We're at rest. But in the practical days of life, there is this principle of life that God, there are times when we need to get our strength restored. And that's in our whole being, mind, body, and spirit, our whole being. What's happened in this, like I said, three times in my uh, life, I've started seeing these signs of burnout. What happened to me more recently in the four and a half years ago is when I proposed to the board uh, to reduce our salaries and our work hours at church to help just um, strengthen our budget, and, and the Lord bless that and, and, and bless your giving over these last four years, and we're in a stronger, stable, healthier place financially than we've ever been. But cutting it back at work hours was helpful so that Philip could develop a business. I could develop a business. His is mega marketing. He's very good at it. He's very good with graphic art design. I encourage you to get the word out. He is available and does good work. We are blessed with those gifts as a church. I developed a company called Company Care Services. I serve two different businesses uh, in, in being like a chaplain for them. I'm a board certified chaplain. It's the highest certification you can get in that type of work. Um, I don't call myself a chaplain. These business owners don't call me a chaplain. I'm someone who's available uh, for uh, emotional and personal support to, uh, uh, through confidential conversations. And so I'm in an accounting firm uh, on a regular basis and also a construction management firm. And so what happened as these, this business developed and church work really just continued, it really didn't get cut back after four and a half years, I've had harder and harder times to honor that day off. And for me, the weekend's intense as far as working off in long days on Saturdays and Sundays, and so I would take Mondays off regularly. And for me, uh, a Sabbath rest day, a typical day would be doing something with my hands. You know, working with spiritual things and working with people, you don't get closure very quickly and very often. 
But hey, I can do a project in the garage, see where I started, see how I fixed it or repaired it or built it, and it's done. It's like, hey, I finished, I actually finished this. And, uh, and that can be, you need to find ways that you get rejuvenated, that you get that rest where you get uh, built back up. What is it for you? Is it outdoors walking or is it, I know people, it's just on a couch with a book. Every, all of us are different, and you find those ways that you're built, and you get rejuvenated. And that was just slipping out of my routine over these last few years, or so wasn't happening very regularly. Now, what happened in the last year and a half, it's just a weird phenomenon. It's, it's, it's attacking the enemy. It's the enemy's plan, but it's, like I said earlier, the church, this is our finest hour. We learn from him. But the pandemic has been really exhausting for really all of us and mental health in general, and our nation is declining. People are struggling with the stress level, the intensity levels. But as I've been reading, helping professionals, those in the health care, social services, counselors, ministers, those who are serving those in needs, their needs have increased. And so we're giving more and more out of our emotions, out of our heart and serving. And so there's this, this tiredness that's turned into exhaustion and can turn into weariness. Even just the beginning of this year in January, February, um, uh, for me, I had uh, my workload got heavier uh, out in my business because one of the firms was on remote. I couldn't go visit anybody in, in, their, in their offices. And so that got going again. And, and actually, it was kind of getting exhausted from the year before. And, and though our numbers are actually restoring well compared to most churches, like all churches, our volunteer teams and those, the structure of those teams and the, and, and the commitment level of those teams, like, like I said, basically all churches, it's much lower than the past. And so what that does, that puts extra work on the staff and the pastors and just more more time energy and stress a, a positive things that happened in my life but any free time that i had has been getting getting dwindled away because my mom just a little update is going to be moving to shelbyville amazingly she's bought a house in shelbyville next door to us I've had some people say, oh, you better watch it now. <laughs> is she still going to be like mother me or something? What does that mean? <laughs> so hopefully those renovations start in the next week or two. You can be praying for her. Her house is, uh, gonna, you know, it's being put up for sale in the next couple weeks. She'll be having, you know, people see the house and bids and so forth. So pray for that whole transition. But just to say, in this, earlier this year and into the spring, my day off just really got squished out to where it was hardly happening. And I want to tell you, folks, and I knew this in my mind, but whenever you try to defy this blessing from God and you just remove the whole principle of the blessing of the Sabbath out of your life, you cannot maintain it. It will bite you. It will come back and affect you. It, it's, we're not created for this. God himself on the seventh day rested. And it, it comes from, you know, why did I get into this again? It, it comes from a, 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 a it, it, from several different areas. It comes from a lack of faith, you know, where I, I can't stop working. I've got to do it. I've got to get it done instead of, it's, it's similar to tithing. We get tempted with, I can't give this 10% because I need it for the bills. And it takes faith to give. And then you see God's blessing as you give. And you, and you start, wow, you know, this is, this is amazing. God's got an extra blessing and i believe this sabbath is similar that when we do trust god and take those things that rejuvenate us and we put that in as a sabbath rest and and we say god i don't have time for this but i'm gonna do this different thing and get rejuvenated then you're trusting god and then you open door for new blessings to come in to your life For me, it was, what, what did I see? What did I notice in me that, that, that alerted me? One is that it, it's an emotional weariness. That emotional weariness affects 
the, the level of motivation, how motivated, you know, that I was, and, and that was bothering me. I was noticing it was harder to, to encourage myself. We, we need to be able to do that and have those scriptures that encourage us, and it was taking longer. It was harder and to build myself up and get encouraged. Another one was my irritability. And my wife was telling me, what, what are you so, I said, I'm, I'm not irritable, what, what are you talking about? And one week in, it was like late May, early June, we got in three fights in one week. And for us, that's not like us, maybe three fights over, you know, seven, eight, ten months or something, over a longer period of time. And I just, knew, I just said, honey, this is, this is not you, this is not our relationship, this is me. And I've been seeing these other signs. I said, this is just another confirmation. I've got these beginning signs of burnout. I need to do something about it. And of course, being honest with her and her praying for me and us praying together, that definitely was a key in helping me here. I want to give you two different passages or places to look in Scripture and to give you ways to restore your soul. See, God wants you to find rest for your soul. You'll find it. If you come to him, you learn from him, you'll find it. So here are some things. Again, these are from Scripture. This is from my life. There's a longer list as you study this. You can find much more you know, online from good resources, uh, in both godly and, and just in counseling resources. But I want to turn you to the first three verses of Psalm 23. Because Psalm 23, the most popular chapter uh, really in the Bible, is is a restoring chapter. That's what it does. It's read often at funerals. Why? Because people's hearts are broken. They're hurting. They need restoring. And it goes like this. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's what the shepherd does to a sheep. He restores my soul. David needed that. He needed it more than once. He wrote about it. It happened to him so often he could write about it. And he put it in this beautiful psalm. He restores my soul. And listen, I know this is a shepherd speaking of the sheep. And, but look at the imagery here. It makes me lie down in green, green pastures, those valley areas that are, are just rich with nutrients. He leads me beside the still waters, the trickling of that stream going by. Just listen and, and think of the beauty of that. And so the... One way I want to begin with a little list. I don't have it up here, but if you're taking notes, ways to restore your soul. Number one is to stop and smell the roses. Because that green grass and those roses and that tree and that scenery and that place where you just can experience peace and quietness, it was created to be a part of this, this process of restoring your soul. It's a blessing from honoring the Sabbath. And I can remember back in uh, 2005, we lived in Lancaster County and, and we felt led and called to be moving to the Philadelphia area to start ministry there in the inner city and house church and so forth. And, and, uh, and so I'm still doing the, that particular uh, family life and youth pastoring, uh, pastoring work full time. I've got uh, four little kids in the house and we're starting to plan and travel for the family and ministry things. And it was like adding another job onto what you were already doing. And I had a friend that I was meeting with. He was a spiritual director. That's like a counselor slash pastor put together and called spiritual direction. And he had me do this little, this little 10 kind of yes, no quiz about your emotions. And he, I answered it and he said, well, you're depressed. I said, I'm not depressed. I've never been depressed. That's not my personality. I'm not depressed. And I looked at the answers and he said, this is telling me that you're... And so I had a video I just recently uh, did about the church plan and moving to Philadelphia and I hadn't edited it yet. And I looked at that video and I looked in my eyes 
I looked at my face. I'm going, man, that guy's depressed. Look how terrible he looks on video. I said, scratch that video. Don't show it to anybody. And one of the first things I felt the Lord said to me, stop and smell the roses. And we could just go out on our front porch and see this valley of farms and Amish and Mennonite farms and and see the whole sky, the sunset, the sunrise and the clouds. I mean, it's just a beautiful setting. And that was one of the first places God led me to to restore your soul is right here and just start smelling roses. Number two, let's go to James chapter four, verse six and eight. There's some instructions here I find very amazing in this process of being restored in our soul. James chapter four, six through eight. It says, but he gives a greater grace. God gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. See, there's a greater grace. Remember in 2 Corinthians 12 last week, we talked about in our weakness, he is strong. That there's a certain grace that when we're honest about our weakness, we come to God, there's this grace that is sufficient. And so that's a real thing. But realize that you block that grace if you're going to walk in pride about this thing. If you're going to deny it, if you're going to pretend it's not there, if you're not willing to share it with your close, with your family and close friends, then there's this pride saying, I don't want anybody to know. I don't want I can handle this by myself. I can, you know, it's just me and God. I don't need help. I can take care of this myself. And that pride will block this grace that's available for you because when you humble yourself, and you admit, gosh, I'm struggling right now in my emotions. I just need some extra encouragement and some help here on what to do next. And you share that with your loved ones and close friends. That opens a door for a level of grace that humility does. And so I ask you, please, don't, don't try to do this on your own. Don't try to fix it by yourself. Because you need to confess that and be honest to build in that. Like Jesus, he said, I'm humble. I'm gentle and humble in heart. That's something we got to learn is humility from him. So number two, number one is stop smell this roses. Two is humble yourself. Find loved ones to do that with. Begin that process of being honest about it. Number three, this next verse and verse seven of James 4 says, Submit therefore to God, and we'll stop there. How do you show submission to God? Do you have spiritual authorities in your life? If you're in a local church, you have spiritual elders and the leaders of that church are part of a spiritual authority. Uh, What I did is I shared this with the elders soon after when I realized there's signs of burnout. At the next board meeting, I shared with the board. I wanted their prayer. I submitted it to God through submitting it to my spiritual authorities that were placed in my life. If you aren't part of a local church, it's it's hard to find who that is. I can't imagine how many times I've gone into Joel's office, founding pastor here, when I was uh, a youth pastor and church education director, and I would just confess something to him, and suddenly I would feel this extra grace coming on me. He didn't really, he maybe maybe gave me some gold nuggets of wisdom, maybe he didn't, but just that step opens another level of grace find ways for you to share with spiritual authorities i know another step that i'm doing here is uh, martin mallory is a counselor uh out of wilmore he comes here on wednesdays most wednesdays he's available it does that's his private practice it does calls we'll help you with that if you could put up that phone number did you see did that uh slide come through go ahead and put that up there jot down this phone number and leave him a message and get something scheduled if you need some extra support like I'm doing with Martin right now over the next few months. And another uh, counselor we highly recommend is Amy McMullen. She has an office in Shelbyville. There's no shame in being honest about where you are and going to a counselor. Let me tell you, there's no shame in going to counselor, folks. It's not an embarrassing thing. It's a part of letting the Holy Spirit who's called the counselor have a, those gifted uh, in that ministry of the Holy Spirit to get to us and to help us. Obviously, whenever there's that discouragement coming in 
and that, uh, that weariness and we're vulnerable, these are times where the devil is trying to attack one way or the other. He is involved somewhere in discouraging and trying to make things harder and worse for you. I'm going to tell you, resist the devil. Don't forget that demons are once your, your down track of that burnout to keep on going. And he doesn't want you to make the turnaround. So do the prayers against the demons that you sense are attacking you. Go for it. Have someone pray with you to resist the devil. So number one is stop, smell the roses. Two is humble yourself. Three is submit to God, perhaps through spiritual authorities. Number four, resist the devil and he will flee. Next verse says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So draw near to God is the fifth step and relook of what's happening with your devotions, what's happening during your devotions. I kept my devotions going. And reading scripture and jotting down notes. But I can tell you my prayer portion was getting squished out and getting shorter and cut out. And and those different dimensions I have for my prayer time. And that's what I found is don't skimp on that prayer time as well. And then number six is just practical common sense. Sometimes we're just doing too much. And your human body cannot handle that, that seven days a week. God didn't do it himself. He didn't create us to go seven days a week with just, you know, drive, drive, push, push, give, 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 seven days a week. I know it was hard to do, really hard, but in Philadelphia, this was about 2009 or so. 2010. We had different, four different outreaches. I was working full-time in a big city hospital in Philadelphia as a chaplain. Some uh, could be very intense days uh, there at the different IC units and the emergency room in that big city hospital. We had four different kind of ministries, outreaches. One was a house church on Sunday mornings in a couple of different houses. One was with uh, a junior high boys and their dad. Another one was in the inner city of Philadelphia in homes with mostly teenagers and then another one in a low-income project area with families and a men's group and i started seeing the signs of burnout and i knew if i kept this up my relationship with my wife and my children would be damaged it would be so potentially to the degree i could lose them if i kept this going month after month And so I cut those four ministries down to two, later down to one. And it hurt because we planted some amazing seeds and God would be in touch. But I watched the next year how some of them fell away. Some of them didn't stick with the Lord. And and, and one young man attempted suicide. Another young man got in trouble with the law. Another family got back into alcoholism. And I had to give it to God. I said, Lord, I've put seeds there. But... I couldn't keep it going and I didn't have a regret. I didn't have a, oh, I somehow blew it. No, if I'd gone on, I would have ruined our lives as the Riley family. And so I share this with you that sometimes you have to cut things out, even good things out, even ministry. It's just practical. It's just obvious once you look at the hours of the week. Oh, good is communion time. Oh, Sabbath rests created as a blessing for compassion to flow. You work that out. What does it look like? Steve and I have young children. What are you talking about? The weekend is some of the busiest times of the week. We have sports here. We have that here. We volunteer here and there. I know, I know, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I can't, you know, pray about it. I know in Philadelphia with our young kids there, I, I just said, we got to just, we, we, for a, a number of, uh, for a time, we had on the refrigerator chart for the weekend. And it broke up each day in three block, blocks. Morning, afternoon, and evening. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So you kind of see those blocks going here. And we were saying, okay, what's getting filled up? Okay, that's filled up. It, well, hold on. We got to find some block, hopefully two, maybe three, that's not just swamped and all weekend we're pushing 
as hard as ever through the weekend. We've got to find some spots, either Friday night and maybe a Saturday afternoon or Sunday night. When can we find a couple of blocks of hours time that's just not overrun? Because it's, it's, there's no easy answer to this, is there? Life is busy. Oh, I'm so glad that Christ did the work for us. And we enter into his rest. I just love it. We enter into his rest through faith in Christ that we don't have to earn his love and acceptance and salvation. But we turn to him and he fills our heart. He inhabits us. And I, I say this to everybody here online that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can do it right now. This is how it's done. You cease from your works and trying to be good enough or impress God enough and say, Lord, I humble myself. I'm the one that needs forgiveness and I need your blood to just cleanse me of all my sin. And I, I need you. I want you. I turn to you and ask you to come into my heart and life. And I do want to follow you all the days of my life by your grace because I know I can't do it on my own strength. By his grace. If you could get your communion elements out, we have some more at the tables. If you didn't get one, you can raise your hand and one of the ushers will get that to you if you don't have it. I'm reading out of 1 Corinthians 11 and Paul is writing about this Last Supper. And he says this, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to keep reading and let you take this on your own time. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, The cup is the new creation, excuse me, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, these elements are blessed to remind us of what the work you did for us. Work that we couldn't do. Work that we couldn't uh, make happen. Lord, you made it happen through your sacrifice on the cross and your resurrection from the dead. So we remember this and we receive your salvation and your rest, your eternal rest over our souls. Feel free during this worship time to eat this bread and drink this juice at any time. I'm going to say a blessing at the end of the service in just a moment. But Julie, go ahead and lead us in worship. The atmosphere is changing now. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around. That the Spirit of the Lord is here. The atmosphere is changing now. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around. That the Spirit of the Lord is here overflow in this place fill our hearts with your love your love surrounds us you're the reason we came to encounter your love your Spirit of the Lord is here. 
I want to pray the ironic blessing over you. Sabbath rest is encompassed in the shalom of God, so I want to pray that over you. I'm going to go ahead and ask, though, the uh, the altar ministry team to please come be available for anyone here for prayer or anything that's overwhelming you or you need that prayer to help you uh, look at changing some things in your life and uh, perhaps you're exhausted as well just need that uh, refreshing of someone praying over you online we have a phone number uh, they're posted on your screen for the next 30 minutes on Sunday morning and there's someone available for you to receive prayer we want to pray for you we want to so please let us do that to both you online and those here. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. Everything as it really ought to be. Nothing missing, nothing broken. May you put your full weight down and rest in the hammock of his smile of approval of you. For in Christ Jesus you are proved. May you walk under the warmth of his presence and hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. You are blessed in order to be a blessing. Amen, that is true. The shalom of God, the Sabbath rest is true. It's real, it's a promise for us, Lord. And we come to you in this communion time, in this prayer time, this words, we come to you. And Lord, you will teach us, we'll learn from you, we'll find rest for our souls. Amen. Have a great week. Love you guys. Let us know how we can serve you.